0: Thank you very much, Karen. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for the hope, the expectation of being with you one day in the future, being with Christ, being in the eternal state. Until that becomes a reality, it's our desire to be faithful, to walk with you, to know Christ, to be sensitive to your spirit as we live here on earth. As we interact with your word and its application this morning, we want to be hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. A couple thought questions. Are you content in life, completely content. Are you content in life? Completely content. Are we as a United Local Church content at this season in our ministry? Completely content. How we pursue change and accept change is direct, directly related to contentment. Last week we considered four types of change. First one, that there's God directed change, God just intervenes, such as with Noah, build an ark. He didn't have any idea that was coming. Natural change due to health. Aging, death, life cycles, culture. You know, we have to respond to those changes. Change comes when there's confession and repentance. Change comes when we live in a fallen world. And there's all kinds of evil that take place. Satan, sometimes under God's sovereignty, is allowed to do things such as in Job's life. And that involves change. I strongly encouraged you last week that we rest in the Lord, in Christ, totally and completely when we face change. This morning, we want to consider change by choice. And remember what I present this morning as last Sunday is not directly coming from a specific passage of Scripture, but a broad overview of knowing God, experiencing Christ, knowing and experiencing their character, knowing God's ways, my studying and obeying Scripture, my desire to shepherd wisely, and my leading over some 42 years. And I've studied many passages in relation to what I share this morning. This results in Scripture, wisdom, wisdom, applied to the body of Christ in the 21st century. This is the rebuke, the correction, the training in righteousness of 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. We may get our beliefs down correctly, and we need to be passionately concerned about that. But we need to live them out. And as we think about change by choice, it should drive us to find their security, And glory in God and Christ alone. Waiting for the PowerPoint to come up. Remember, living in our fallen world involves change by choice. Embrace it. As an opportunity to know and to experience the Lord and the Christ. Let me share some examples of change by choice individually, family as a church. You choose to purchase a motor vehicle. That's a change by choice. You change vehicles. You chose to own a phone, whatever type that may be. That's a change by choice. And many of us have modern day phones. Most of us do not have a rotary phone. No, that's a change by choice. You choose to go on a vacation and spend $200 versus $2,000. That's a change by choice. We added to our building years ago. That was a change by choice. We conduct an Awana ministry. That was a change we made over 30 years ago by choice. As we think about change by choice, there are basically two paths that are followed. And let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 3. James is a book that deals with living where the rubber meets the road. He deals with trials. He deals with relationships. He deals with obeying God's word, you know, faith and deeds. He talks about the tongue. But in James 3 and verse 13, reading together, beginning with verse 13. James 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done and humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. You'll notice that James 3 talks about a heavenly wisdom and an earthly wisdom. And basically, we make change by choice. And I give some specific examples as we go along. We either pursue heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, a change by choice that involves earthly wisdom, is generally a choice to try to make something happen. Saul. Pursued David. a changed by choice. He was trying to get rid of David. He was trying to make something happen. Changed by choice that comes from earthly wisdom. Generally ties in with discontent. It ties in with being impatient. It ties in with selfish ambition. And pride. And bitter envy. Jacob. In the Old Testament. Stowed. The blessing from his brother Esau, a change by choice. People in our country will seek another mate, dispose of the one they have, and seek another mate. For whatever reason, a change by choice. A person may say, I'm very discontented with my job. I don't like my job. I'm going to make a change by choice. Many times it's they want to make something happen, discontent, impatience. And I'm not saying it's wrong to change jobs, but I'm talking when there is a strong discontent. A church, a local church may make a change in their methods and the programs they use because they say nothing is happening. We're not reaching our community. If we make this change, we'll reach our community. And that can be not a good thing because it's springing from a deep discontent an impatience. We've got to make something happen and so on. But in James 3, there's another type of change that comes through by choice, and that is a heavenly wisdom, a change that springs out of humility, a deep dependency upon God, a contentment where one is. There's a desire to know and experience God as they make change. There's a patience. There's a submission. And it's deemed skillful. In Exodus chapter 18, we know that Moses was trying to judge all of Israel. And his father-in-law came along and said, you need to select some people to help you. And a decision was made, a change by choice, that was deemed skillful. And he brought some other people on to help him. David's movements as he was fleeing from Saul, as you read the account, would have come from humility, a desire to know and experience Christ or God. He deemed it skillful, and he made some changes. Nehemiah in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem made some changes in strategy. Because it was deemed wise as they led. A while back, back in December, you heard leaders say, you heard myself say, that we deem it wise in our current situation that we remain silent and we say very little. That decision came about as a result of heavenly wisdom. We weren't trying to control things. We weren't trying to be impatient. We weren't discontent. In humility and contentment, trying to make a wise decision. Last year, we made a decision as a church to redo our church kitchen. I trust that that came from humility and contentment and a desire to know and experience Christ. And it was deemed to be skillful, a wise thing to do. That's heavenly wisdom. Years ago, Ruthann and I were living in Tennessee. We had our second child going to come along. Bethann was going to be born. And we talked about moving to another apartment, the next house over. We had a three-bedroom apartment. We were going to have two kids. It was really crowded. That was a six-room apartment. We talked about it and prayed about it and discussed it. And we came to the conclusion that we would not move. We deemed that skillful. It, would have, it was wise for us. We weren't discontent. We weren't demanding something bigger. But seeking God in life. Now, As we think about heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom, I want to share a couple of thoughts to relate relates to earthly wisdom, and gives some specific examples. Generally, earthly wisdom change springs from a discontent with God's pace of working, or His methods. They just seem outdated. They're not good. A discontent with God, with Christ alone, and their being sufficient. How many churches down through the ages have sought change in church ministry as far as reaching young people? If we do this, we'll reach young people. If we do this, we'll reach young people. But they don't stop and step back and ask, are mom and dad teaching their own children? Maybe that's God's method, primarily. And then, if that's in place, do we have an Awana ministry? Do we have a team ministry or do we do something else? But think about decisions that a church may make, you as an individual may make, you as a couple may make. What happens when you're discontent? We tend not to make wise decisions. Earthly wisdom change generally has a negative on godly favor as it is carefully examined. A new method is done as far as outreach to community. But we don't stop and ask, are believers living holy, godly lives in their jobs and in school? And then what happens? We think we have to get people in here to a bot building when a lot of the outreach is to take place day by day in daily life. It is generally considered and pushed due to the neglect of the absolute basics. Obedience to the absolute basics removes the demand for things to happen. I grew up in the dark ages, I understand that. And I grew up in a very sheltered community, I understand that. And I went to Bible school when I was a kid, and I sat in a dungy basement on a hard bench with a teacher that refused to use... I don't know, Refuse? just didn't use anything that we might call pictures and so on. I could have gave some suggestions. Seats that are not so hard. Give us some visuals. Change your methods a little. Don't be quite so monotone all the time. That did not make or break me. Why? Because the basics in my life were in place. Dad and mom would set us down to read scripture and to pray together as a family. We didn't sing because dad didn't sing, so we got off the hook on that one. That's a basic, you know. He taught us to worship. Would have been taught to work. Would have been taught deep respect. So you go to Bible school, that's not to your liking, you don't whine and complain, you accept it. You have an eagerness to learn. But the basic was in order. And I'm not knocking using graphics and so on and teaching children, that's not my point. The issue is if the basics are in order, what God designed is in order that changes how we look at other things that come later. Because if you change all the methodology and the programs and so on and the basics are missing, you're banging your head against a wall. Earthly wisdom does not change the heart. Generally, it makes the heart more selfish. Since a change is pursued due to selfishness, The more we pursue what we demand and receive from our action, the more selfish we become. An example. A parent says, I want my children to grow up to respect God, to love me, and to be a decent person. Now, if this is going to happen, I need to give them what they want. Because if I don't give them what they want, they're going to get angry at me and they're going to be frustrated. So they want to be involved in sports. I'll involve them in sports. So you involve them in sports and I'm not knocking sports. Next they say, well, I want a four-wheeler. Well, if I don't get them a four-wheeler, then they're going to get upset. So you get them a four-wheeler. And by the time they're 18, what happens? They can become very, very selfish. And the same thing can happen at a church ministry. Well, people want this type of music, and I'm not talking contemporary music necessarily. It may be old-fashioned hymns. It may be middle of the road. It may be contemporary music. But we want what we want. So we're going to change to go back to the old style of music. The oldies. No, we'll change and we'll go with something more contemporary. Because that's what people want. And if we don't do it, they're not going to be happy. And What are we doing? We feed the selfishness of people. And I'm not saying change is wrong. There's a time to change. And I think that'll come out a little later. But also in this context, it is generally pursued... Because a person, a leader, a church is not willing to examine themselves. That's unwilling to confess and repent. When confession and repentance is present, there's little need to make things happen with change because God is working. If we make sure we got the foundation, the absolute imp- absolute in place, God will work and we will have wisdom when a change needs to come. And we have some changes as a church that we need wisdom. So we're making a wisdom change, not an earthly wisdom change. But pursuing, because a person's not willing to examine themselves is not wise. So let's have a outreach to our community that involves other churches and we'll bring in a speaker from the outside. That may be good. I'm not debating that. But we need to ask, are Joe and Eunice and Sandy and Cheryl and Gary Ann just living godly and being a testimony and salt in their daily life, pointing people to Christ? If not, we need to repent first. So we have wisdom as to whether to bring someone in. Change in methods at times is substituted for change in heart. A focus on others and circumstances rather than oneself. If we can't walk with God, experience Christ where we are in the present. Change will not help us. No, we'll walk with God or Christ in that which is in the next situation. I've been in ministry some 42 years plus. I've seen a lot of change happen. I've encouraged a lot of change along the way. You know, in our church. Church. but are we concerned about heavenly, cha- heavenly wisdom change or earthly wisdom change? Earthly wisdom change has some deep, deep downsides. And I'll mention a few. I already implied individuals become more selfish. The more my parents gave in to my wishes... The more selfish I became. Broken, discouraged children, thus grandchildren. It's not working, we'll try again. That discourages children and grandchildren. Children and grandchildren are looking. Because God is at work in their lives for something that is worth following, worth dying for, investing their life in. And if we change to try to keep them just for the sake of change, they become broken and discouraged. And I sat down with a 30-year-old. And say, why aren't you walking with God? You grew up in a church, you grew up in a so called Christian home. Well, they always gave me what I wanted. And it never satisfied. So I guess God don't satisfy. To be honest, I'm broken, I'm discouraged. I didn't see anything worth following. That happens. Broken and discouraged church leaders. How many leaders in the body of Christ today are looking for the next method, the next program that will work? Rather than going back to saying, what does God, what has God called us to? There's an increased selfishness among believers because we want what we want. So we have the old-time singing, and we have more of the -the middle-of-the-road singers, and we have the contemporaries. And after a while, we have a church that's old-time, and we have something that's middle-of-the-road, and then we have another church that is contemporary. Why? Why? Because there's an increased selfishness. Because we try methods. What does God call us to? Unbelievers don't ask questions about our faith. Why? Maybe they don't see heavenly wisdom. Children don't ask questions about our faith, nor do grandchildren if we're following strictly earthly wisdom. Hey, Mom, you and Dad made a decision, but Dad thought this was the wise thing to do, and you said, yes, husband. Why did you do that? Mom gets to respond. Dad, you came from home from work the other day and you said work was really terrible this past week. It's been tough. But yet I heard you pray tonight for your coworkers, for your boss. That you can be a grace giver in the midst of that situation. Why are you doing that? See, those are questions that spring from godly living. When we make earthly choice decisions, then those questions don't come up. Demanding our way and our family and our job and our music and our program and our worship style, what the church provides People must reach out to me and so on. That We become more that way. We become more demanding. Well, I want this for our church. I want this. No, I want that. Our children, we as adults, we just become more demanding. So we leave situations, whether it be a family, a job, or a church, or a ministry, if I don't like something. There's spiritual stagnation, and there's a lack of contentment. Wisdom is coming from a much, much different perspective. Earthly wisdom change is much different than a humble wisdom change. Change is pursued because it is determined to be skillful. A family that doesn't change, a church that doesn't change, is probably already stagnated. But change should come from a humble, wise change. It's determined to be skillful. We have some areas that we need to be skillful, skillful that we will address in the next year or two. There's not looking for a result. There's not a discontent. It's deemed to be skillful. It's not a how-to But action springing from being, that is, walking with God. We have walked with God. We need to make this change. It's good. This one probably came too late. It's on the lighter side. There was a church that had an older pastor. Older than me, but an older pastor. And the leadership of the church was striving to be sensitive to the Lord, and they thought it was time for this guy to step back. And they told him, you know, you should resign being a pastor. And he said, no. You know, he wasn't willing to respond to leadership. And uh, after preaching the identical sermon three weeks in a row, and he was told about it the third week, and he said, I didn't preach it last week, they finally said, you're done. <laughs> you know... They thought there was some wisdom. You know, it wasn't a how-to. It was springing from their walking with God. A change needs to take place. That was a wisdom change. There's not a focus on self, but God's glory. Is God going to get glory from this? Does God get glory from what we did with the kitchen? No, that's a fair evaluation. And do we need a new one? And, you know, use wisdom to come to that there can be well-given or well-thought-out reasons given for the change. Wisdom, change doesn't just leap because it wants some result. Seeking God, being sensitive to that, and then going from there. In Acts chapter 15, the council met, what we call, if you want to call it, a church council, in Acts 15. And they prayed and they sought God. And they made a decision as far as what was to be told to the other churches about no eating meat and so on. Churches need to change outreach methods at times. But doing that humbly, springing from walking with God, a desire for God's glory and well thought out reasons. down through the pages of church history, the way churches worship have changed. I don't think most of us are willing to go back in time. So next Sunday, we're going to have a pump organ rather than the organ we have here. But let's go back before the organ and not even have a piano or organ and sang a cappella. Change has taken place down through the pages of history. Heavenly wisdom change is good. We all have changed in our lives and our families. So just mention a couple of things in areas where that we will have to do some Seeking of God and heavenly wisdom change in the future. One is just thinking about church leadership. So six months from now, I get up and preach an identical sermon next Sunday as I did this Sunday, and what I t- preached this Sunday was the same as last Sunday. You know, we need to stop and ask some questions about leadership here. I'm not getting any younger, which, you know, and that needs to be Addressed. But that ties in with a view of leadership. What is a pastor? What's a pastor's role? What's the elder's role? Do you have a full time pastor? Do you have a couple part time pastors? Just thinking through that wise, heavenly decision. It crossed America. I hear it over and over again. The church is losing its younger people. We'll say those under 30. Know what's going on. We need to visit that. We need to think about it. Should should some changes take place? Are the absolutes in place? We need to think through that. And do we need to make some shifts? I'm not saying yes or no, but thinking through that. How about just the whole issue of making Disciples. Are we reaching our community? And then tie into that on top of what happened back in December and what had happened in February. The news media, what was in February, the raid on our church in December has influenced our church as it relates to our community and how the community looks at us. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but we need to think through that. And I think we need to make some adjustments there and some changes there probably or effectiveness in outreach, but not in a hurry, not because we're pursuing a result, but because it is deemed wise for God's glory and good reasons can be given. And one other area, then we'll close, and that is just what I call cultural change in values. A lot of that has taken place in recent years. Our culture has changed its definition of marriage. At least we would say it has changed its definition of marriage. A lot is happening in terms of sexuality. Do we make some shifts in thinking, in ministry, to be bringing God God glory in the culture in which we live? Those are just some areas that we need to... Think, does God want us to make some heavenly wisdom change by choice for His glory? And Lord willing, I'll wrap up the discussion next Sunday morning. Let's pray together. By the way, when I say wrap up, I'm not saying, oh, here's all the changes we're doing, but just provide some groundwork for thinking through them. Father, we thank you that you've given us minds to think. You've given us your spirit to live within us. Christ is our life. And as a result of living in a changing world, we need to make change at times. But we don't want that to change to be earthly, unwise change. But we want it to be for your glory. We want it to be deemed wise for your glory. As we think through some things in the next couple years, we want to be unified for your glory. And remember that your power is at work within us. In Christ's name, amen.